And welcome to PodPod. I'm Rihanna Dillon and this is the podcast all about podcasting for podcasters, which is what I explained on stage actually last night on a panel that I was doing. And it weirdly got a laugh and I was like, how dare you? This is, uh, it's not the podcast world eating itself or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) I am joined this week by Adam Shepard, editor of PodPod and Reem Makari, journalist and researcher for PodPod. Hi to you both. Hello, how are you doing, Rihanna? Hello. Oh, good, thank you. So what was this panel discussion where PodPod got a cheeky mention? (laughs) Always hustling. (laughs) It was a panel for a college all about kind of journalists and women in journalism particularly. And it was great. I was on with Jane Garvey Ah. off of Times Radio currently and Katie Strick, who works for the Evening Standard and Harriet Lyne from the Daily Mail. Uh, So it was a really interesting mix. It was really fun and it was interesting somebody in the audience asked about kind of the future of podcasting first of all you know the difference between radio and podcasts because obviously jane garvey is a Mm. kind of queen of radio i thought that was you (laughs) thanks adam (laughs) but then uh, it was nice to kind of hear from the students about what they use podcasts for and actually apparently it's revising that's yeah. currently what they're using podcasts <laughs> for i hadn't really thought about that so maybe we need to do a an educational pod pod episode one day that would require me to know something first <laughs> <laughs> really enjoyed this week's interview. So we got to talk all about drunk women, not just generally, because that would just be (laughs) autobiographical, but um, it was actually all about (laughs) drunk women solving crime, the podcast, which is a kind of very gentle, but very funny take on not so much like the sort of big true crime events that we necessarily associate with true crime podcasts. Like, you know, there are a lot of serial killer podcasts out there. This kind of looks at all sorts of crime and it could be white collar crime fraud burglaries anything is up for grabs on drug women before we get into the interview though reem what has been going on in the world of podcasting reem so recently Acast have done their third annual crossover podcast mashup for comic relief to raise money so they got a bunch of their podcasters from the ACAST Creator Network to collaborate. So there was Off Menu and Films to Be Buried With. And I think this is like the third time that they do something together. Drunk Women Solving Crime and Moon Underwater. It's all a bunch of like fun bonus episodes just to raise some money. And uh, I thought it was really cool and interesting. And I used to love like um, Disney mashups when I was a kid, whenever there'd be like crossover episodes. <laughs> Wait, what? What's a Disney mashup? You don't remember when like Sweet Life on Deck or Wizards of Waverly Place on Deck? I've no idea what any of the words you just said yeah. mean. Oh my God, I'm so old. Yeah, this, um, <laughs> we, we predate all of uh, this Disney Channel stuff. Oh, I didn't. I didn't have Disney Channel. To be fair, oh no, <laughs> that was my childhood. <laughs> yeah, this this was in like 2010, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was at uni. I was yeah. I was 10 years okay, old. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I, I just, I thought it was really fun because it kind of, it gave me that nostalgic feeling of like when there'll be crossovers and in, in like episodes in childhood and seeing that in podcasting. So yeah, 
That was very cute. That's really nice. It's a really nice idea, I think. And obviously, Red Nose Day is an institution in the UK. And it's nice to see podcasts kind of being included in it. And it illustrates the flexibility of podcasting for me and the fact that it's it's just such a fun medium. Yeah, you're so right, actually, about the fact that you wouldn't necessarily expect podcasts to be included in that because it feels like such a visual medium. You know, it's always what's on TV more than anything else. Mm. But, you know, if radio can do it, etc. So let's get into our Drunk Women Solving Crime interview. So we welcomed Hannah George, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn to talk all about their podcast, Drunk Women Solving Crime. Here they are. Hello and welcome to the Drunk Women Solving Crime podcast. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi all. We've got Hannah George, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn. Thank you so much for joining us on Pod Pod. First of all, how much do you actually drink <laughs> each week? <laughs> let's get to on the important, let's start with the most That's important That's what I really question. want to know. <laughs> we'll get to strategy and marketing, but for now, <laughs> just how many of Smirnoff's Ices do you down? <laughs> Um, do you know what? I, I would say it varies. It Often if it's a live show, perhaps I'll drink a bit more for Dutch Courage. Um, in the studio, it's a little bit more chill, but we do them at my house so I can just roll straight into bed. So it kind of, a lot depends on the location. Also, you know, we have this thing with the podcast, I think that it's your body, your choice. So, you know, you don't even have to drink at all if you don't want to. If, you, if you're really feeling it, you have a few. Um, so yeah, it's sort of, it varies, is my, is my diplomatic answer to that, so I don't come across as raving alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, what about you? Yeah, I like Hannah's how long is a piece of string approach to that question. <laughs> um, it is completely variable. And there's been, I'm um, going to give you an inside scoop. Sometimes I don't even drink. Um, <gasps> I know. So yeah, it really is slightly up and down. Some of them are definitely a bit more Larry than others. <laughs> Larry. Taylor. Well, and I'm going to answer by saying I certainly commit to the brand more than I ever imagined when we launched this four years ago. And I think my GP would agree that it's something to keep an eye on. No, it's, <laughs> as Hannah said, it's very much about the spirit of when, you know, when we came up with the idea, we sort of sat around and thought, you know, when women sit around and drink, Instead of getting angry and fighty, we, we suddenly solve all the problems of the world. We're like, if they would just listen to us, we would fix this. <laughs> so that was kind of the inspiration. I <laughs> think we sort of took it from there. Also, when we began, I don't think that we kind of realized it would be so successful. So we're having to pace ourselves a little bit more now because we're like, yes. well, we need to keep putting episodes out because people seem to love it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be, God, we suffer for our art, don't we? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. So the podcast kind of does what it says on the tin, but for anyone who hasn't listened, can you just give us a a brief overview of how exactly the drunk women solve crimes? Well, I mean, for a start, we're very funny. And what we do is we have a guest on each week. So we have a celebrity guest, be that a comedian or an actor or rock stars we've had on. And they'll tell us about a time they were a victim of a crime. And we'll talk about that. We'll decide who we're going to blame for it. Um, And we try to give them some closure. Um, And it's a three-part format. So, um, Taylor, do you want to tell them about the second part? Sure. Yeah, the middle is where we take turns hosting and only one of us has the details of an historical 
crime case. And then we unravel those details by sort of asking the guest and the other two various questions. So it's almost like a quiz format. So we'll give a little bit of information then say, what year do you think this is? Do you think the perpetrator is a man or a woman? And so on and so forth. And it just kind of turns into a quiz slash, let's say the silliest thing that pops into our head. And then the last section of the format, Katie. Yeah. So we unleash our own brand of uh, vigilante justice onto a listener crime. So we'll get somebody up out of the audience or somebody will write in and they'll tell us about the time they were a victim of a crime. So it could be, you know, they were mugged or somebody stole their sandwich out the fridge at work or, you know, something more serious like... I mean, I'm just I'm trying to think of a really hey, serious... sandwiches are very yeah. serious. <laughs> yeah. Can Actually. we just say, like, we put trigger warnings on the food <laughs> ones. That's serious. Yeah. I remember in Edinburgh, uh, someone was accused of a murder they didn't commit. So that was quite, that was quite full on. Wow. We've had oh, some, wow. we've had some pretty big ones with the, uh, the list. Yeah, we have. And at the live shows, it's so fun because we can ask them follow-up questions like, are you sure you didn't murder him? But, you know, things like that. <laughs> And so that's really interesting. You kind of, you start off asking your guests if they've been involved in a crime and are those vetted in advance? Are you like, you know, this is a comedy led podcast. Do they, does it have to be sort of a bit careful about that? Sort of well, thing? they are vetted carefully by our producer, but it's always a surprise to us. So she'll make sure it's a topic that's appropriate. But to be honest, it varies as much as our drinking level. So somebody might tell a really, really silly crime, but we've had some quite serious ones, you know, where Uber drivers have decided to... Yeah. Jen Brister, who's a fantastic comedian, was one of our guests. And she had this Uber driver that just lost it and basically took her hostage and started driving off of the route and locked the doors. And she luckily, of course, got away and was able to tell the story. But we've had some pretty heavy cases. Yeah, because that's the thing because they are vetted by Amanda often sometimes if we like which is so sad as well this is a, a sort of the state of the world thing is that actually we've had so many kind of flashings and those kind of things that actually we, we've had to sort of say do you have a different crime because 99% of women have been a victim of that crime and it's so sad that yeah, yeah we have to say do you have a crime in addition to all the sexual assault that you routinely experience yes, right. that you inevitably have <laughs> yeah and I think it's good as well like because the thing is we don't want to completely um shy away from talking we are a comedy yeah. podcast but we're also a feminist sort of fe all female podcast mm. and it's sometimes good to talk about these things I think lots of mm. men who listen to us say I had no idea that this level of you know yeah. particularly the um the sexual harassment was happening to women. Mm, so yeah. I think, ugh, I don't want to say we're heroes, but I guess we are. <laughs> but. <laughs> but, but we will say that our drinking changes lives. I, just, just being honest. That is an interesting point though, because when I was listening to it and the only ones I could think of were abusive men or like harassment or being followed yeah. or me having to fight men yeah. off. And I was like, that's not, that's not a great kind of starting point if you're trying to find something to laugh at while you're pit. That could only lead to me or anyone in tears. No, no, you're absolutely right. And definitely we do have to tread very carefully when things are of a more serious nature. But there is also something quite cathartic about kind of talking about it and then putting our kind of spin on it and, you know, what we'd like to do to the perpetrators and stuff like that. Yeah, when you're choosing to tell the story... And choosing how you tell it, and and because we have all, you know, uh, most likely had similar experiences. Yeah, there's 
there's such empowerment in that. And you find the comedy in there. We've had dark cases as well, where we're just like, they're, where are we going to find the humor here? But we always do. And I really, I really believe that we tread the line very well. (laughs) Some people might disagree, but you don't need to write in. Just keep it to yourself. (laughs) It is something that's always at the forefront of our mind, though, is making sure that we are sort of treading that line because, you know, it is true crime, but, you know, it it comes to how we pick the cases. It comes to Mm. sort of the way we talk about things that we're always, we're always thinking about it. But I do think we always manage to find um, the comedy in the way that if it was maybe if it was a group of men it might be a slightly different thing um a slightly different way of dealing with these uh kind of traumas yeah for sure adam so on the subject of that do you have any areas that you prefer to steer away from completely in terms of the kinds of cases that you cover what what goes into your selection process we've done um i'm gonna get the word wrong i'm gonna say neck it is necrophilia isn't it (laughs) We've done yeah. okay, so we've done <laughs> immediately- having sex with dead bodies is necrophilia yeah. if that's what you're yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's that it's like stuff like that is just like how innocently Katie asked that question is just like <laughs> the, the crux of our podcast, really. It is necrophilia. I know, I think that kind yeah. of summed it up. Neck 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 <laughs> Do you know what? It's it's a lot to do with I'd say in general, the darker the case, the older it will be. So we'll go back hundreds of years for some of the cases that we do, because then it's sort of safer ground to making jokes that might veer into the the darker side of things. And then anything that's a bit more modern, we tend to focus on things like Katie did a great case, which was about the Backstreet Boys uh, former manager who had defrauded the band. Um, So no one gets physically hurt in that one. And we can talk about it, make jokes about it, or heist cases where no one's been injured. We're very careful about how we choose the cases. There are certain cases that we wouldn't touch that involve, you know, child abuse Mm. and Mm -hmm. that that sort of area where we know, no, this isn't for us. There are lots of other podcasts and TV shows covering more modern, really dark cases. If you want that, it's out there for you, but that's not what we do. We're true crime light. (laughs) Yeah, diet, diet, true crime. (laughs) I can't believe it's not true crime. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point, though, because you're right. The true crime kind of podcast market has year on year become more saturated. There is a kind of quite interesting appetite for those sort of really dark stories. So how do you think true crime podcasts can stand out for you as fans? You know, do you listen to any apart from the ones that you do yourselves? Yeah, I've listened to quite a few of the kind of, you know, like your serials or your, um, mm-hmm. I always forget the names of them, the one the one in uh, West Cork, I think it was. Um, is it called West Cork? Anyway, mm, that one. I know which um, one you mean, a few years back. And I really love the kind of the deep dive that some, because the thing is, you know, we're not journalists, we're not historians, we're, you know, comedians and writers, first and foremost. And so if you want that deep dive, I think that's what's so great about those kind of shows. But also they're shows that, generally a sort of funded from the word go in the sense that it's a lot easier for us to be able to be like, right, okay, I'm going to write up this case. And like I say, because we are all writers, we sort of know how to sort of make something into a story. But with something like that, you know, if I was looking at doing an eight hour long part about one true crime, I wouldn't know where to start. And I'd need a lot of money because it would take me months and months and months. 
for us, the true crime is about half an hour of the podcast. So we've got to make sure we've got, I mean, sometimes that's only really 20 minutes of material of actual kind of content. That's what's quite interesting about the way we do it is this, the, the stories can be quite short. But although we have to cut a lot out, don't we, to be honest, we often say like, you know, this is where you can find some more information about this case. Yeah, yeah. There's more about if you're interested, there's more. And the thing that I like about true crime is the psychology of it, what people will do in a certain circumstance and how they'll try and get away or how they'll think they can get away with something. I'm endlessly fascinated by human choices. Mm. So that's what really appeals to me about other true crime and about doing this as well. It's like, wait, they did what? I can listen to incredibly dark ones, but it's interesting that even within that, so I'm one of those weird people that I'm like, oh, I I have an hour. I can go for a, I'll go walk the dog and I'll listen to Dr. Death. That's like my <laughs> ideal hour. That's really, and that sounds sinister. It's like, what is wrong with us that we're listening to this? But as Katie says, I'm just fascinated by the choices that people make. And I think we're just naturally interested in evil and this concept of people that break the most basic rules of humanity. So although we do diet crime, I will listen to very dark stuff because I find it fascinating, especially when it's done really well. And I think with all the choices you have out there, there are the people that are really putting in a lot of work to do proper research and really present things in a sensitive, appropriate way. And when it's done well, it's just fascinating. You kind of said that you're not historians and, you know, the rest of it, but actually you obviously do love that aspect of this. So what has kind of surprised you about, you know, the skills that have been drawn out of you through making the podcast? I'm a very skilled drinker now, very tactical. <laughs> um, I don't come home and throw up in quite the way that I used to. <laughs> but, but I think what's fascinating as well is the sheer amount of things that never change. Like, you know, we can talk about something from the 1750s and women will be treated the same now, minorities will be treated mm. the same now it's it's just in a slightly different way so it's it's kind of a depressing thing that that things never change but also it's interesting just seeing throughout history how everything is almost the same but different and also like what's interesting is lots of our cases that we'll do will kind of coincide with each other like somebody that will be in a prison in America in the 1940s yeah. that we've done a case on and then someone else will do a case and be like guess who his cellmate was and we'll be able to say to the audience uh, it was this guy it was the guy that we right. and that's really I, whenever I find a case that links to another one I like, yeah. I've got one my next one is yeah there's a link and oh, that's there's always a link. there's a linker yeah yeah <laughs> a linker. there'll be like certain <laughs> characters that everybody's linked to like Mom Mandelbaum has come up I've said that wrong I can't say narcolepsy I can't say wait it wasn't narcolepsy was it <laughs> do not get those condolences. <laughs> not a doctor. Um, uh, Mrs. Anderson, it appears you have a mild case of uh, necrophilia, but uh, there's there's a there's a good medicine you can take. <laughs> yeah, my husband's got narcolepsy. Um, so no. Um, <laughs> No, Ma Mom Mandelbaum. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. So she's come up in about five different cases and counting because she was just like this linchpin of the underworld. Yeah, she was this crime boss in New York. And this is what's fascinating is how many people like that we 
discover and you think, why don't we know about all these people mm. the way that everybody in the world knows Al Capone? And I could list right. a bunch of mobsters that we yeah. all know. This woman was involved in just as much, if not more. Yeah. You know, underworld crime, but we've never learned about her. And I wonder why. <laughs> What's the link? I think it's just made history for me a lot more interesting because the way I was mm. taught history was so dull and it was all about wars. And it was just sort of like, what happened in between the wars? And then what started the next war? And it was all in a timeline. It was just, let's make it as dull as possible. Yeah. And when you start looking into the stuff, it's it's amazing. That's what I've taken from it too, is like, I like collecting the fun facts because um, I think I'm Basil Brush. So I'm trying to talk to the fact fans. But um, <laughs> what a brilliant reference for today's world. But, um, <laughs> but like, so stuff like I did this case on the- down with the youth. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Basil Brush, who's I don't think me? any Gen Zers listen to this. Don't worry about it. Um, but like this, you know, like there was a big influx of lady detectives at the turn of the 1900s. One of the reasons was because women were suddenly allowed in department stores, you know, without being accompanied. Um, So it's just stuff like they didn't have enough toilets, just all this mad stuff that you wouldn't think of. What I like to do is go through cases, learn about history and learn where the toilets were. That's uh, (laughs) my fun. (laughs) That's amazing. Where do you sort of stand on like the criticisms of true crime? Is that something that you kind of understand? Is that something you're really aware of or does it not really impact the way that you talk about crime? I mean, I think it's definitely something that impacts us in the sense that, you know, as making those choices about which cases to do, obviously it's what we feel comfortable with it's what we kind of you know the jokes that we make on the podcast are often so silly and so stupid that you know and sure we can make um intelligent jokes as well but I think there's there's something about you know it would be wrong to say that it isn't at the forefront of our minds because of course it is because it's it's sort of it's everything that we choose to do with the podcast is we choose to do crimes that aren't quite as as dark. Well, yeah. And I I don't think that we've ever done anything like salacious. I feel like the kinds of crimes that get criticised for being too much of a, you know, a spectator on misery and pain, like we've said, we're not choosing those particular cases. We're we're choosing like, you know, typically a criminal who's an idiot and then we're finding like (laughs) the funny beats and the story and building around it. We're never really sort of the camera pans to a beautiful corpse. We're not doing that kind of material. We've almost got this approach, which is don't let the classic definition of true crime get in the way of a good story. So if there's an interesting woman from history and there's one crime in there that happens that isn't even the main thing, we'll do that because it's about the storytelling and finding just these interesting links from from history a lot of the time. So we've done things that have to do with patent law because it's a good story. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what percentage of the cases we've done are murder, but when most people think true crime, it's immediately, it's murder. Uh It's, but we've probably only done like 20, 25% murder, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd have to fact check myself on that, but it's not, it's not even half, I wouldn't say. Also, you know, we don't punch down as well, I think Mm. is an important thing. And we're kind of in our, like I was saying, our sense of humor is a kind of, we all have different sense of humor, but we're all quite, we're all quite goofy. We make each other laugh. We find the same things funny. You know, we're not edgelords. We're not trying to be (laughs) the Joe Rogan of true crime. Um, you know, we're not trying to sort of say things that, are, you know, and sometimes we'll get quite close to the to the knuckle in terms of sort of things. But we'll, the, I don't know, the intention is always right, I think. And I yeah. think that's why we can always say, do you know what? 
we're not out there trying to offend anyone. It's really inclusive, I think, is yes. the, yeah. the vibe yes. but that our listeners seem to feel as well. I think it's a really important issue, though. We, I mean, we've, we get approached to promote other podcasts sometimes, and mm. I'm obviously not going to name any names, but when you hear a podcast that's trying to do comedy with true crime and they're doing it badly and they're not mm. thinking of these things, it's you feel it in your gut. It just feels very, very wrong. And they are punching in all of the wrong directions and just not considering who they might be upset at. And do you know what I mean? Like, I think you do have to mm. really weigh those issues up. Also, we've learned things along the way, haven't we? But I think along the way, you learn things and you learn, you know, what maybe parts of the cases to sort of um, look at more in depth and what parts of the cases maybe to sort of, because there's sometimes there's things that will happen in a case that could be quite fun. And then suddenly there's something really awful that happens. Yeah. And sometimes we'll say, right, for this, we, we need to tell you the facts right. here. But, you know, we don't really do trigger warnings, but we kind of say, right, some horrible stuff is coming up, mm. but we're not going to dwell on it. And then hopefully within a couple of minutes, we'll be talking about what the guy ate for lunch that was weird and we can talk about that and that'll be funny yeah. you know mm, there's yeah. things definitely that we're like we're not going to go in hard on things yeah we hold space for the serious bits and we don't try and mock the wrong bits I think that's absolutely true and, and I also think that just like we all kind of trained in stand-up if you can call stand-up training and I think that it's quite a new act thing to do kind of try and be an edgelord like you'll often see like new acts really talking about quite controversial material which obviously can be hilarious, but it will typically be like a comic that's been going 20 years that will do that perfectly. It's really hard yeah. to do dark material well. And it is something that takes a little while to find that balance. And we've all been going longer. <laughs> <laughs> so do you stay away from open cases as part of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't. Well, I mean, we'll do a cold case from history. A cold case, I guess, is technically... We, we might solve it. Who knows? <laughs> I was going to ask about that, actually. Serial, obviously, is one of the most famous true crime podcasts going, uh, which recently helped uh, contribute to Adnan Saeed's conviction being overturned. Uh, have you guys had any of your theories or kind of conclusions confirmed or corroborated in that kind of way? Actually, two things spring to my mind. One was the Somerton Man has just been reopened, hasn't it? Mm. The Somerton Man case got reopened with some new evidence recently. And there was also that one where the bodies were found in the snow. We can't take credit Russia. for the case getting reopened, but <laughs> oh. we, certainly, <laughs> we certainly didn't make it worse. Is that the <laughs> Dyatlov Pass incident? Dyatlov Pass, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting seeing sometimes where they're like, oh, this is what we think happens now and to compare and contrast it to what we, you know, talked about then. And sometimes there'll be things from the past that will come up. We get lots of messages from listeners as soon as something that has been on the podcast is in the news. Yeah. We did like, it was just really good timing that when Cocaine Bear became a really big viral <laughs> sensation, we just put out our episode of yeah. Cocaine, you know, where we were talking about the real crime behind yeah. Cocaine Bear. Mm. Um, and I think that's funny because I think our listeners thought that it was was us that made it such a big film but it, was, it was millions of pounds from the earth or was it you know it's just circumstantial we know these words exactly. now we also had a case which took place in australia and it was a complete coincidence because we had rebooked this guest joe elvin a couple times so she happens to be from australia and i was hosting that episode and i started it on the case and it was about a guy that was just in and out of prison for robbing banks and stuff. And she went, I'm about to ruin this case. 
And I went, why? And she said, because my auntie is the one that put this guy in jail. And it Mm -hmm. turned out that her great aunt had testified in court and helped put this guy behind bars one of the times that he'd been arrested. Yeah, in the 60s. Her whole family. Yeah, yeah, and her whole family got so excited (laughs) that she (laughs) ended up on this podcast talking about this guy. Um, So, yeah, there can be really weird coincidences. Not quite the same as blowing a case wide open and solving it, but it's almost more fun. (laughs) 100%. True crime feels like quite a kind of female-led space. Maybe that's completely wrong. That's just like the ones that I've listened to or the ones that I'm maybe drawn to. You mentioned earlier about your male listeners are always kind of surprised about the amount of like specific crime women have to go through or are targeted by. But what is kind of, do you know, like your listenership in terms of gender and who, because presumably mm. you see them, they come to your live shows. What does that look like? Well, then we can look at the the breakdown on our platform as well. So yeah, we, we do. And I'm, and I'm going to hand over to Hannah and Katie who are better at remembering <laughs> details. It's, it's 70, 30. Go on, Hannah, you know it. I was going to, no, I was going to say 70, 30 as mm. well. As a, It sometimes changes weirdly, you know, it's sort of, we get these sort of stats month to month and we can look across the whole thing as well, but I haven't done that for a while. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it's about 70, 30. Women and, to men. And lots of couples come to the show, which is really sweet. Like lots of people listen together. Loads of people listen with their mum, which is oh, really sweet. I think so nice. during lockdown, we bring yeah. families together. <laughs> yeah. And we do have a very young listenership, which always surprises me. Well, you know, because our. Yeah, our with most, my Basil Brush. I was going to say, because we reference Basil Brush. <laughs> they like learning about the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with this film called Single White Female, which I don't even want to know how old that film is now. It's probably like 40 years old, but I reference it like it came out last year. And I just keep doing it, even though like I'll just see blank young faces in the audience. I'm like, I will never stop. <laughs> I think we also we have like an ongoing joke about how I'm this kind of like hip millennial because I'm 35 because I'm just slightly <laughs> younger than these two and it, you know it's just really, she's such a baby really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that 70-30 split I think is not dissimilar to what you'll find across a lot of true crime podcasts women generally tend to be highly engaged with true crime as a genre, whether on the hosting side and the creation side or on the listening side. As true crime podcasters, why is it, do you think, that the genre resonates so much with a female audience and particularly, as you mentioned, a kind of younger female audience often? Taylor always has my favourite answer to this. Oh no, I do. <laughs> oh, well, just, cause, just because oh, Taylor is so good and so wise and so well put. Well, just because you you wrote... and that punchline at the end, <laughs> <laughs> and then the twist well, that you didn't see coming. Oh, okay, you know the psychology of it. Well, yes, because we've we do get asked this question, so we've we've looked into. Oh my gosh, the pressure to sound articulate is Sorry. immense. No, no, it's okay. I mean, obviously, women are typically the victims of true crime cases, so there's a natural curiosity about, gosh, how does this happen? And there is there is a theory that the psychology behind women seeking it out is that there's a part of us trying to study the behaviors of people who seek to harm us almost as a protection to go, Mm. okay, well, 
it's it's totally illogical, but what what could I do to make sure that that never happened to me when I'm out and would I be more aware and would I be would I let that happen? Um, and of course, the answer is no. None of us can protect ourselves from psychopaths, but there's almost this weird dark part of our psyches that that seeks that out as an answer. How did I do, guys? How would you rate me? I love the, the twist. Yeah, good, very good. Oh. Do you think there's also an element of almost like exposure therapy or immersion therapy as well, kind of exposing yourself more to these kinds of awful crimes to, I guess, make them less intimidating? Oh, I do. I I think humans have sought out adrenaline rushes in all sorts of forms and sought out horror all you have to do is look at how we've entertained ourselves. And this comes up in cases. If there's a hanging a couple hundred years ago and there's nothing to do because there's no Netflix, like the entire town is going to watch that hanging. Mm. That is what they will watch. Yeah. And that's as dark as us listening to a true crime podcast. Yeah. I do think there is a possible argument of it can be slightly, I don't know if healing is the right word or just makes you grateful to be alive. But like even like, mm. you know, the Romans invented drama to sort of help you know all the soldiers with PTSD so they would watch all these you know horrific plays and it would kind of like be reenacting the terrible thing that happened but with like the right outcome or whatever mm. which is supposed to be of some benefit I'm talking out of my ass I just I read these <laughs> things. You weren't a historian that was yeah. <laughs> I'm like a historian that read a few blogs <laughs> professor blogs (laughs) but this is what's fun as well is like taylor you taylor used to be a um psychotherapist what were you yes please make sure you add this the therapist part (laughs) i used to be a psycho (laughs) she's fine now she's really (laughs) as long as we tell her that enough um but you know we always say that you're like our trauma expert which is you've been doing comedy for a decade rather than being a psycho but like <laughs> being a psychotherapist but it is really interesting and Katie you know you've kind of like you did sociology didn't you at, at uni and oh yeah, it's of, been very if, useful <laughs> well I think like but if there's a book that is new and needs to be read like Katie is like the person that reads a lot of stuff and say oh I read this thing or I listened to this thing it's the facts it's the basil brush and I'm just like the the young idiot a young <laughs> sexy idiot so <laughs> <laughs> the engine you. <laughs> In terms of some of the cases that you have covered, one of your episodes, which was such a good one, was about Fleet Street and the pubs in Fleet Street. And Ooh, yeah. it was about how women weren't allowed to be served at the bar. And so they were losing work because they weren't able to network in the same way as yes. men. I mean, it was fascinating. Is there a kind of preference from your audience to kind of hear these incredible like feminist stories of how this ban got overturned and that sort of thing, which is actually, you know, so rage inducing, but it's less kind of physical violence. And so you kind of feel like that's, I can listen to that. You know, you don't have to almost do the, the sort of trigger warnings that you were talking about that you don't do. <laughs> it's an emotional trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> no wine? No wine at bar? What? <laughs> gin! Need my gin! <laughs> but that was Katie, that was that was your case, wasn't it? That was a great episode. I love cases like that because our remit is so broad. As you say, we don't do that much murder. So, you know, it needs to be a, a law has to be broken or a crime has to have happened or there's a court case or something. And yeah, I knew that that would sort of hit all the right beats in terms of enraging and then eventually pleasing our audience. 
And also it's just such a silly battle of, the thing is, it's not silly because big things and small things are important in different ways. So it was sort of a silly one, but it also wasn't completely silly. Like there was a point to it, but it just is Mm. funny that, you know, that's one of the stages that feminism has to battle on is, can we get served at the bar and pubs? That's just (laughs) never not going to be funny, even though it is also technically important. (laughs) (laughs) Technically. Technically, yeah. And just briefly, can we talk about like the live shows versus the sort of, I was going to say in studio, in Hannah's flat podcasting. (laughs) You kind of have a residency, is that right? A a live studio venue right now? Yeah, we're at 21 Soho at the moment. So like, but generally what we do is in the first half of the year, we'll do a monthly residency um, in London at the moment, 21 Soho. And um, then we'll go to Edinburgh. So we're doing Edinburgh this year. We're doing 10 nights um, in a a huge venue. Oh God, Uh, but it'll be great. And then generally we'll do like a sort of tour, a UK tour in the autumn, sort of taking it out to Manchester and Bristol and like all all of these different places. Yeah, yeah. What we found with the live shows is just just I don't know I don't know but when you record a podcast and it's just us like I remember at the beginning and then the minute that you go and you see people that listen to it and we have this thing which is we say it's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime but then everyone shouted of lime the first time we did it and we were like <laughs> what is going on yeah. like, we started like, a cult like, we're a cult <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like goosebumps um, and yeah and that's really nice I, I mean they do sometimes get a little bit um too into it in a way like the heckles that we get at our show are generally things like he pleaded the fifth or like 1917 or like, <laughs> so stupid which is really sweet but you get to see just how engaged yeah. the audience are which is amazing mm. but then do you feel like you lose anything by doing the, the more intimate ones where you don't have an audience or do you kind of prefer having that adrenaline rush of being on stage I like having both. It's really nice having the balance. I love the adrenaline rush and you obviously can hear the the energy and the response from the audience on the episodes that are live. But the word you use, there's an intimacy to having a guest just there and you sit around and it feels more like like the real detectives do it. <laughs> <laughs> like a pinball. Except hopefully better. <laughs> But you know what I mean? There's just sort of this, oh, it's just it's just us sitting here with our little notes and there's a Yeah. Yeah, I love that. They lend themselves to slightly different cases as well. Like this if you're doing a live show, you want to maybe pick something with some big broad beats that has mass appeal. But with a like a studio record, you can probably pick something that where you go off piste a bit and not everything has to be a punchline. Yeah, I think that's really true. I think they have a slightly different, like we're all ourselves in different things, but I definitely find I'm like a little bit like cheekier maybe in the live shows, like in the way that I might try and get the audience on my side for something at my flat. I can't do that. I can't be like, oh, Taylor's such an idiot because there's not a whole audience to go, oh. So Hannah can't bully us in the studio. (laughs) And yet she does anyway. She won't stop trying. (laughs) Basically, I can hide my bullying a lot better in the live shows. And pretend it's crowd play. Crowd work. Yeah. Crowd play. Oh, crowd play. Crowd play. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> We've lost Taylor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh that's such, this is so great. Crowd play. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things that I find really interesting is the other types of, of crimes that you guys cover beyond, you know, the usual kind of murder and stuff, as you mentioned, kind of the, the patent law one is one that particularly jumped out at me. 
how do you think the true crime genre is going to evolve in the future? Because true crime as a genre is, you know, quite, I don't necessarily want to say saturated, but you're fairly spoiled for choice in terms of the usual kind of murder and and cults and things. Do you think that we're going to see a greater evolution of true crime podcasts looking at stuff like kind of white collar crime, for example, there was one really interesting uh, true crime podcast that uh, I heard about that was looking at uh, invoice fraud uh, called Accounts Deceivable and just stuff like that going, (laughs) digging in and exploring kind of beyond the sort of traditional quote unquote true crime genre. Is that something that you guys see in the future? Katie has a great answer for this that I really like. (laughs) Touche, touche. I I do have some thoughts. (laughs) We always say we're not going to run out of crimes. There's Mm. like an infinite number of crimes. And I think actually if the market gets more niche, that's quite interesting because I think then you're going to end up with a subgenre of just invoice, like just loads of like the fraud and invoice categories. Mm. Because actually I bet, there could be a really, int- I mean, I, and I haven't listened to that specific podcast, but I bet there'd be some really interesting beats in that story and the choices that were made and stuff. So I actually, I quite like the idea that the way to deal with a saturated market is to make it even more niche and diversified. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing with podcasts as well, mm. isn't it? Is that there's an audience there for pretty much everything, you know, regardless of how niche it is, like you'll hopefully always find your audience for things. So I think, yeah, maybe maybe it will go that way. That's what I like about our format, really, is because we, I think we're one of the few sort of true crime shows w- that's formatted, really. You know, we're formatted in a, a particular way. And and I think when we came up with this idea, you know, the sort of the quiz style and stuff like that, we were surprised that it hadn't been done before because it felt so obvious when we started playing it, you know, on our phones, on Wikipedia, in the pub when we first were coming up with this. We're like, wow, this really works because, you know, just just through you know, we're all sort of like similar in so many ways, but also the minute you ask a question about what do you think about this thing that's happened, mm. we will have completely different views on it because we've got these completely different worldviews and our guests have completely different worldviews. And that's the thing that brings the humour, I think, is that something that, you know, I can't remember, I think it's just like cannibalism. I've always got this ongoing joke that I think it's fine. And like for <laughs> other people, <laughs> just be like, just calm you know, down, it's, the most it's disgusting. just cannibalism. It's just fine um but you know people be like it's the most disgusting thing and just those differing of opinions is what makes our show fun and i and i imagine the invoice one is probably fun as well because i so i'm really rambling now but i always think that it really doesn't matter about what the subject matter is sometimes it's sort of it's how you do it like this bit i've watched documentaries where i'm like this is the most interesting thing in the world but if the documentary is done badly mm. i have to switch off after 10 or 15 mm. minutes so a lot of the time i think that if it's a good podcast and it's done well then it sort of doesn't matter what bit of crime you're looking at i suppose do you find yourselves moving away from the kind of grislier crimes as the show's gone on I mean, I did cocaine better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ah, very good. Come on. <laughs> That's the sort of stuff you can expect from a crime. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's interesting, isn't it? Because we want to keep our audience happy and some people like the grizzlier ones, some people don't. Yeah, I think it's a balance. 
sometimes if I feel like I've been doing some quite light ones in a row, I will try and find a more substantially dark one just to kind of make sure I've got variety and I'm not just like picking too many fun ones or like novelty ones. You go straight in with the necrophilia then at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, something terrible. One of the things I like about what we do is that the crimes will vary wildly, but we sort of won't. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's a good tagline. That's a great tagline. <laughs> we sort of won't. <laughs> it's not. Hashtag no worries if not. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Um, but of course, your guests do vary. And yes. so how do you kind of curate your guest list? You've had some really interesting people on. You've had some incredibly random people on. Jackie Weaver stands out as um, a really interesting <laughs> choice. She was great as well. Yeah. yeah. She was so fun. And also, like, sometimes what's fun is finding in cases that are specifically kind of you know the person that, that's on makes you think of the kind of case that you want mm. so for example for Jackie Taylor found a case that had like it was a village town council meeting in it yeah which is just it, incredible. It, it ended with a, a town council sort of thing gone wrong and it was close to where she lived so mm. I just kind of landed on a case that was going to work out that way but yeah, we've had quite a wide variety. We've had rock stars. I always feel silly saying rock star. We've had rock stars. <laughs> so <laughs> rock star. Who have you had on that's rock stars? Oh, Louise Wenner from Sleeper. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, who was she's just so cool. I think this is the, the, like when we first started is having sort of all done stand up for sort of several years. We knew a lot of the stand ups and we knew a lot of the stand ups who are now really big are kind of people that we came up with years and years ago. You know, our first act was Catherine Ryan, and that's because we all sort of vaguely knew her from the circuit, and Mm. she's really good at sort of sending the ladder back down. What I like about doing the podcast as well is that it sort of really keeps me up to date with who the up-and-coming female comedians are in a way that, you know, I don't think I would be, because I don't do stand-up anymore, you kind of just fall out of touch with it. But Mm -hmm. actually, Mm. we have to be aware of who's doing what and who are the kind of the cool people to have on and the good people and... Yeah, it means that all tickets to show are tax deductible as well because I just go and see something. <laughs> just be like, oh, it's actually research, guys. Um, Talent scouting. I probably won't have S Club 7 on the podcast, but I'm going to that damn show. <laughs> hey, we've got to ask them. <laughs> do you have people who ask to come on your podcast and do you have many men asking to come on and be a guest? Sometimes like we'll get emails from PRs saying, oh my God, I love your show and I want to suggest my client. And it's like... It'll be a man. And it's like, we don't have men. Do men like, <laughs> no, once a year we do men's month. And we do get people asking to come on, don't we? Which is really yeah, nice. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people ask, which is lovely. It's nice to be wanted. <laughs> and sometimes when we ask someone, they'll say, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> oh, yes, that's so Aww. lovely. I've been waiting for the call. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you all. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for, having, thanks us for having us. It's really fun. I really enjoyed that interview. I was slightly anxious, as any interviewer would be when you have three people on the panel, as well as you and me, Adam, talking. I was really anxious that there was going to be a lot of overlap and it really wasn't. Like, they all knew their own strengths. They kind of were very respectful of each other's space. It was a real kind of pleasure Mm. and not at all the shit show that I thought it was going to be (laughs) with that many voices. (laughs) Um, What did you think, Adam? 
I was really impressed by how well matched they were just in terms of their kind of skill sets and the kind of their areas of specialization, but also the way they kind of naturally deferred to each other on various kind of topics. Uh, I particularly like the couple of occasions where they threw each other under the bus on perhaps the <laughs> slightly trickier questions, uh, which was very entertaining. Were you sort of taking that on board as like, okay, this is how you do it oh, if, I don't, need, if yeah. I don't know how to answer this question? <laughs> Reem's got a great answer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other things I was really interested by was their approach to picking topics because true crime is i think it's fair to say a not underserved genre uh, when it comes to podcasting so hearing how they keep things fresh and in some ways steer away from what would be the traditional expected kind of avenues for true crime the one that really jumped out at me was the patent fraud one Mm -hmm. which was essentially a very kind of minor footnote in that woman's kind of history that they used as a springboard to talk about her kind of life and career in in general. I thought that was such a, a creative way to work within the format while still telling a story that's perhaps slightly outside it. Mm, that's a really nice point. Ring. I was listening in the background as, as, <laughs> as ever, usual. creeping. Yeah. Um, yes, creeping in the background. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to feel about the episode at the beginning because I didn't know how to feel about a, a podcast that's true crime but in a comedy genre mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of discourse online about true crime podcasts and not being respectful to victims and, and I haven't really listened properly to the podcast before so I didn't really know how to feel. And then while listening to them talk about their experience during the episode, there's a certain point where they talked about how sensitive they are choosing topics that specifically crimes that aren't currently happening, or if they are going to go into crimes that are a bit more like gruesome or, or a bit more disturbing, they'll choose crimes that are a lot older. Mm ones from like the 1600s I think they mentioned which people wouldn't be affected by today yeah. and I just thought that that was very something that I respected a lot because they're taking care of of not making a joke around stuff that shouldn't be made fun of and being very sensitive about what they're choosing which not not a lot of true crime podcasts do mm -hmm. yeah I just I thought that was good on them to do and also there was one one thing that I had to no I just had to note it down during the episode which is they said we are not trying to be the Joe Rogan of true crime <laughs> and I'm just like okay that's <laughs> iconic smart very mm. smart yeah <laughs> yes I sort of yes. feel like we didn't even make enough of the fact that they get drunk while they're doing all of this yeah that, that kind of feels almost like a footnote <laughs> I know I don't know why we kind of got so caught up in the true crime aspect of it that yeah the, the kind of getting pissed bit i was I, I don't know why we didn't delve into it more it's a fun hook mm. but of course they don't need to be but it's a it's a nice it's a nice kind of little thing that kind of gets you remembering them i suppose it makes them stand out a little bit more and it shows that they are kind of willing not to take themselves too seriously as well even when they are discussing some really quite intense things it's a really fun one yeah you should listen to ring also they make sure not to have any like male guests as well on the show so they also <laughs> like they stay true to the drunk women mm. yes um doing crime they absolutely do although i like that they 
have Men's Month as well. It's a nice yes. counter <laughs> to all of those. When's International Men's Day type criticisms? <laughs> I know it was just like a nice kind of concession to men because you know, yeah, throw us a <laughs> they bone. need it. Well, that is it for this week's Pod Pod. We are all raising a glass at home to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. There are some brilliantly written articles by Reem on there. You can sign up to our daily email bulletins as well to make sure that you never miss anything that goes on in the world of podcasting. You can follow us on social at podpodofficial and do give us a little rating and a little review as well would be so well received. We'd love to hear from you. The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. And thanks again to Adam and Reem for joining me this week. I've been your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.